We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? It's the Bear Report Podcast. Week one is officially in the books, and we're looking forward to week two. And honestly, week two cannot get here soon enough. That's because the Chicago Bears opened up the regular season with a very, very, very disappointing loss to the Green Bay Packers. The Bears are 0-1, pretty much uh, deflating loss at Soldier Field for Matt Eberflus's team. We'll kind of break that down a little bit. Plus preview week two with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as we're joined by Luke Easterling of Athlon Sports to break down the Buccaneers and their win over the Minnesota Vikings in week one and the upcoming opponent, the Chicago Bears, here in week two for them. Before we get into all that good stuff, let me bring in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, I think I pretty much said it in, in the intro, man. Deflating, embarrassed, um, shocking, um, just not good overall um, for the Chicago Bears on Sunday. Yeah, it was uh, not what I think anybody expected. You know, it's like we painted Aaron Rodgers as this boogeyman the entire time. And, and, and the reality of it is, is that usually when other quarterbacks have started, they've still beat the bears, um, especially in recent history. And, you know, Jordan love making a second start was no exception. And it's, it's just a, it's just an unfortunate thing, man. I mean, it, obviously it wasn't an ideal week one matchup. It never usually goes well with the bear or for the bears when they play the Packers week one, but it's just one of those things where, it felt like it felt like an ominous start right out of the gate. You know, the Bears get the ball, um, and you know, right away they have the you know third one, the fourth and one, and they fail and they turn the ball over, and then you know the Packers go down and they score that you know they score the touchdown. And you're thinking, okay, whatever. And it, it, it seemed like for the majority of the first half, the Bears actually outplayed the Packers, and then they go into halftime, and that was where things just really went downhill, man. They came out of halftime and the Packers just took hold of the game. It got embarrassing. You know, you're seeing shots on the sideline and, you know, guys basically moping around on the sidelines didn't look like they know what, you know, knew what hit them. And it's, you know, it's one of those things. And we, we've talked about it, you know, before we started recording where you never want to overreact to week one, right? I mean, obviously the Bears are a prime example last year. They go out. Yes, it was a monsoon game. Yes, it was against Trey Lance, who's no longer with the team. 
but they go out and they beat, you know, the 49ers week one, they start, you know, two and one overall, you're thinking, okay, well, this is going to be a better team than most of us expected. And then they win one game the rest of the season. I mean, and we've seen it even, you know, in some of these other week one games, you know, look at the Giants game. They got blown out 40 to nothing. This is a playoff team last year. Uh, the Bengals scored three points uh, in their season opener against the Browns. Like there were a lot of different games. I mean, dude, the, the Cardinals almost beat the the Commanders. Like week one is home to some craziness. Um, but either way, man, I you know, you're going into year two of a rebuild. I don't think anybody has should have realistic expectations of the playoffs maybe they you know maybe they get lucky and they sneak in maybe they do with kind of what the lions did last year but it's also kind of one of those things where you wait nine months in between regular season games and especially after the season the bears had and the crazy off season you expect better and unfortunately the bears came out and they did what they always do against the packers and they embarrass themselves they embarrass the fans and now we're sitting here, you know, uh, going into week two, wondering whether or not what we saw on Sunday was a really bad game and or if this is going to be a sign of things to come. And that's not really a good position to be sitting in considering, you know, the last time the Bears won the playoffs was 2020, which, frankly, they backed in the playoffs. 2021 was a bad year. 2022 was an awful year. And you're kind of waiting to see the rebound, and they added a lot of talent. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. Again, it's an emotional thing after you wait nine nine months to to see a game and the buildup and all that stuff against, you know, your most hated rival. But, man, I just I, – I don't think you could have scripted a worse start to the year for the Bears. And now you're looking at a situation where if they don't win this week – you got the Chiefs in week three. Chris Jones is going to be back. Uh, you know, I'd have to assume that Patrick Mahomes is going to be a lot better. That is probably going to be a loss. If they don't win this week, they could be looking at an 0-3 start. I mean, that is not the way you want to start off a season after going 3-14. and From the start, too. Literally, from the start, the first possession, they get a third. Well, actually, dude, the first play, Demarcus Cates gets an unnecessary roughness penalty. 15 yards, backs up the Bears because he pushes a Packers player. You know, after the play, 10 seconds after the play, I get it, you're fired up, but come on, man. Like, they, they, you can't have that. Um, and then on that same drive, you know, the Bears move the football a little bit. They face a third and short, and they run this play where Cole Komet takes the direct snap, leans forward, gets stuffed. You know, okay, they wait. They get up to the line. Justin Fields sneaks it, and he gets stuffed. He's trying to reach the ball over. And on the first thing I'm in the press box, and I look over, and it's Will DeWitt from uh, CHGO and Nicholas Moreno sitting right next to me because um, I'm in the corner. And I look at them and I said, the, um, the QB sneak push is not outlawed, right? I don't believe it is. And the Bears don't run that on either. Like, I do, like th- this is my point. Is the, the, the franchise from the top to bottom is just, it's not there, man. It starts at the top. They're stuck in like the 80s. They're not innovative. They don't try anything new. Like they're never out in front of anything when something is new like this and works like the Eagles have been doing. Like the Bears don't even want to try it. I don't know what's going on. And to me, man, that set the tone. Like that set the tone right away. Even though the game was what 10-6 in the first half. Um, you know, the Bears, I thought after they gave up three third downs, third down conversion on the first drive, and Jordan Love had one of the easiest touchdown passes of his career he's gonna have on that nice throw to um I think it was Romeo Dobbs. Like, I thought the Bears' defense played well. They had three, like, the next three third downs were not converted, something like that. 
Um, they couldn't really stop the run until Aaron Jones had to leave the game. And going in the halftime, I'm like, okay, Russ in the first half. Let's see what Justin Fields and his offense could do. Let's see what the defense could do. It unraveled, man. It just unraveled in a hurry. Two more Jordan Love touchdown throws, a pick six by Fields, a fumble by Fields, a defense miscommunication. There's guys wide open. There's no pressure. The Bears get one sack. Justin Fields has no time. He's not making his progressions. He's missing guys. It was an absolute nightmare, man. And for me, here's my fear. Like you said, they have Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in week three. This Tampa Bay game on the road is no easy task. They lose this game. They lose against the Chiefs. This thing could go south in a hurry. And I look at the Broncos-Commanders game. I'm like, okay, those are winnable games for the Bears. You know, one on the road. If I week two, you could start 0-5. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen. Um, but like 0-5, 1-4 could be staring them, you know, staring right at them. Yeah, and 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 I think it feels like that because of you know how they how they lost. I mean, the reality of it is, yeah, it could happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I mean, they, the thing is, is outside of that Chiefs game, they got a lot of winnable games coming up, and we're going to learn a lot about this team. I think we're going to learn a lot about this coaching staff. We're going to learn a lot about the direction of this team moving forward, including Justin Fields. It's I felt like Justin Fields had a pretty dang good first half. I felt like he outplayed Jordan Love by a country mile in the first half. But, you know, then you get to the second half and things start falling apart and the offensive line starts giving up pressures left and right. And, you know, the entire structure of the offense goes out the window. And, you know, in lifetime, I'm thinking, man, you know, Justin Fields, not great in the second half, kind of reverted back to some of his old ways. And then you start seeing the all 22 come out and you're like, oh, man, like it was the 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 way that he reverted back to his old ways in the second half is, is so much troubling. So again, and that's not to say that he can't fix things, but it, there's just, there was not a lot of good to take from the game, man. I I don't really know how else to put it. A lot of their free agent additions, a lot of their draft picks, like there just wasn't a lot that went right. I mean, DJ Moore had two targets the entire game. I, I don't care what planet you live on. That is, that's not, that's just not acceptable. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of those things where as frustrating as it was, and I've been pretty opinionated on their start and all that. I, I think that we we need to see how these next few weeks play out um, to really get a gauge on where this team is heading. And, and let's be honest. I mean, if this is how this team's going to look and they win another three or four games, I can tell you right now that Matt Eberflus won't be back next year and Justin Fields won't be the, the quarterback. I don't even know if, you know, Ryan Poles will end up being the GM. I would have to assume that he would be. But, you know, that would be the direction that that would go in. Now, I still think my original uh, projection was eight wins, and obviously that was counting a Packers win in, in, in week one. I still think that they can hit seven, eight, nine wins. But we need to see basically an exact 180. And, and, and I think the thing for me is there were a lot of uncharacteristic things. Now, I, I've i never been overly sold on Matt, Matt Eberflus. I mean, I kind of said that in the moment when they hired. Not that I dislike the hire, but I'm not a big fan of hiring defensive coaches in this in this day and age, especially when you know the focus needs to be on the offensive side of the ball. But I, I do think that when you go back and you look, yes, there were some coaching mistakes last year. There were definitely some things to question, but I do think – 
that overall the team played extremely hard. They gave a lot of good teams uh, a very hard time. They were a pretty disciplined team. There weren't a ton of mistakes. There weren't a ton of penalties. There weren't a ton of head-scratching decisions slash mistakes, whatever. Dude, I mean, that went completely out the window on Sunday. So as irritated as I am for as pissed as I was after the game, um, for as pissed as I was when I woke up the next morning on Monday, I think that there were a lot of uncharacteristic things to where we've at least got to say, hey, let's give this thing another three or four weeks and see where they're at. If they start one and four, or oh, and five, like you just talked about a little bit ago, I think all bets are off at that point in time. But I don't know. I, I, I think that we could see a rebound uh, game from them this week. And, you know, let's just go. They, let's just say they go out and they and they beat the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think people are going to be feeling, you know, right about where they were. Uh, going into the season it's just you know week one is home to a lot of craziness and I think after waiting nine months for a game the emotions uh, the reactions one way or another are always going to be higher or lower than they should be so it's just kind of maintaining that level head and saying okay until this becomes a trend let's not assume that it's going to be a trend but obviously at the same time man a lot's got to get better for them uh, if they plan on winning many football games if any football game this year you're a lot more optimistic than i am i am just down in the dumps man <laughs> like i just i don't know it's i wanted more like if they would have lost 30 to 27 28 27 whatever like i would have felt a little better like my main point is like we just like all off season of talk and granted you know it wasn't necessarily Bears players. Like, they're not the ones saying, oh, Justin Fields is going to be MVP. That's, you know, strictly the betting markets. That's how the bets, that's how the betting market works. Um, but, you know, the outside chatter, the noise, like the Bears are ready to take the next step. You know, we see it all the time. And it's like, man, they didn't, I think they took three steps back. Like, it's very possible that they are, could or could be, you know, a bottom two, bottom three team in the NFL. Um, it's also possible. I think they can get out of that. I think they could also be a middle of the road team and maybe make some noise at the end. I'm just, you know, I'm not in, as encouraged. Um, I don't know. I just, usually I'm the guy that's like, okay, let's go week two. Let, let's, let's, you know, let's get this win. Let's see something. I'm waiting to see it, man. And I'm, I'm getting worried because I, I think the season, you know, in a hurry could go from, all right, Justin Fields development is, is, is the biggest thing. Like we're either going to have a franchise quarterback or we're not. We should know by week eight, nine, ten, um, you know, things that can happen to man, they could be Caleb Williams, Drake May type season, like if they get a top three pick. And that could happen. Like if, if they start one and four, oh and five, two and six, I don't know, man. Like it, it, it's gonna get ugly in a hurry. And like you mentioned, I mean, I don't know. I think Ryan Poles would be safe. Um, the one thing we have to keep remembering is. Ryan Poles did not draft Justin Fields. So that, that's another thing to kind of remember. And he's not shied away from getting rid of players that is not his regime did not take on. Obviously, quarterback Fields is different. Um, this is pretty much a second full season. I, I hate counting that first season with Matt Nagy because um, I do think it set him back. But Fields, I, I think you'd agree with this. Fields has to show improvement and it has to start this week. Like, we got to see the progressions. We got to see him read the field, get the ball out quick, show off that arm talent. And we got to see improvement from Luke Getze in my eyes too. I, I think that's a, a big key. And, you know, a little, I'm indifferent on Alan Williams still. I, I think he does some good things. I still think he, you know, struggles. Uh, but the Bears aren't going to have Kyler Gordon, it looks like, for a little bit. So 
all the coordinators are going to be tested here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, no, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like, I mean, and we talked about this multiple times throughout the offseason. Dude, if Justin Fields doesn't take not just the next step, but a big step, I don't think he's going to be the quarterback in Chicago next year because I think his ceiling is severely limited if he cannot trust what's going on in front of him down the field. I mean, it's just really that simple. And people can debate whatever they want. People can assume that magically, even though this is not how football works, that magically, you know, him checking the ball down is his first read. That's not what's going on. I mean, simply put, he has good moments. He has bad moments. His athleticism is outstanding. He's got the arm. He's a smart dude. Like all of the tools are there. He's got to, it's a mental thing. He's got to start trusting what he's seeing downfield and letting the ball rip. And if he doesn't do that, then his ceiling as a starting quarterback in the NFL is going to be limited. And I don't think the Bears are going to be comfortable moving forward because let's be honest, if Justin Fields doesn't take the next step, this Bears team is not going to be a good team this year, which means very likely they will end up having two top 10 picks, if not two top five picks, depending on how things go. So I, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the, the improvements have to start all over the roster, man. Like these free agents that are brought in need to play better. Nate Davis has got to play a lot better. Chase Claypool. I've, I, I don't know, man, I've about lost any remote hope. I wasn't overly high on that move to begin with, especially for what they gave up. I'm just about out on that move. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds has obviously got to play better. TJ Edwards has got to play better. Um, you know, they got to start getting to the, you know, getting to the passer more. I, I mean, there's just, there are so many different things going on right now where that they've got to improve. And, and again, though, it, it's just, it's at a point where we could look back in four weeks and laugh about how much we all overreacted to week one, or we could look back in four weeks and say, man, this was really a precursor to how this season's going to go. And I hope to God not, because I, and I know you feel the same way, man, it is it gets really damn hard to write multiple articles a week to do this podcast when the team just sucks and there's no hope for the rest of the year. And all of a sudden you're looking at draft prospects and you're putting way too much value into college football. And you're just basically wishing the season away so you can get to the next off season to see, I I'm tired of the bears being more interesting in the off season than they are in the regular season. I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at. And I'm not saying that's where it's going because I don't think we know that yet, but I'm really hoping that that's not going to be the case. And 
I mean, I think it starts this week, man. I mean, Tampa Bay, I don't think is a good, a good team. Um, I, I mean, maybe they're, you know, slightly below average or maybe they end up being average. Um, but this is a game that the Bears should absolutely be able to win. I'm not saying that they will win it or that they should win it, but they absolutely should be able to win the game. And I think that they've got to have a rebound week, man. they got to get back on track because, like I said, I don't think Kansas City is going to go well for them. Um, you know, they've got to be one-on-one one coming out of this week or, you know, things could get real ugly real quick, especially if the reactions on the sideline were a gauge of how things are going to go, if things go bad. It's 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 This is – I don't know if I call it a must-win, but this is about as close to a must-win as you get in week two. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. They they got to pick up a win. And, and segueing over to week two, let's bring in our guest, Luke Easterling of Athlon Sports. He did a great job breaking down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their week one win over the Minnesota Vikings, and now they're prepared to take on the Chicago Bears. So let's listen to what Luke has to say in this interview. We'll be right back to wrap things up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast to break down week two between the Chicago Bears and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a special guest, Luke Easterling. He covers the NFL and the Bucks for Athlon Sports. And Luke, thanks so much for hopping on, man. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Dude, it's been yeah. a long time coming, man. I just got to <laughs> say that we've we've been talking and known each other for what feels like 10 plus years now. So it's, it's good to finally have you on. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say we we go we go back to the the good old the uh, the the glory days of of draft Twitter, I think. So, yeah, we do, we definitely do. Yeah, back when Twitter was actually really good. And, and yeah, when it was cool, when it was fun, <laughs> when it was fun place to be. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, yeah, not very fun on Bears Twitter this week. Um, you know, Chicago Bears got pretty much stopped by the Green Bay Packers. Disappointing game, but you know, with Tampa Bay. It was kind of the opposite. They came in, and in, in my eyes, I don't know, maybe you can speak for this, it was an upset over Minnesota. I thought Minnesota was going to win that game. I really didn't think Tampa Bay could be that good this year or good this year. Um, obviously, you know, you lose Tom Brady and you're relying on Baker Mayfield. But what's kind of the vibe like in Tampa Bay after that win? And, you know, how did they beat the Minnesota Vikings? So if you if you, if you you look on social media at all, I doubt you'll find a a bucks adjacent person who had kind of more of a, a rose colored glasses perspective on this team heading into the season than I did. And, and again, I, I completely admit that I am a, I mean, I'm a lifer. Okay. I'm I, my go look at my Twitter. My, my picture is of me at like two years old wearing like some creamsicle t-shirt or whatever. So like I'm born and raised in this area. This team is my team. So I get it. I'm super aware of the homerism at play here. But, you know, I've also been doing this for a job for a long time, and I like to think I can try to look at things objectively and say, hey, if the Bucks are going to suck, they're going to suck. And if they're not, I think they won't. So, I, you know, looking at, at all of that in its totality this whole offseason, and, and the oh, I, don't, I don't have many sources in the league, but the few I do are in that building uh, at one buck place. So I just kind of understanding the way they were going to approach the offseason made me feel like I, I really don't think they're going to suck as bad as everybody thinks. I, I know why they say that. And again, it's a very simple game for a lot of people. It's subtract Tom Brady 
add Baker Mayfield, you still have Todd Bowles as your head coach. Nothing else really matters, right? Um, if this team was eight and nine with, the, with Tom Brady, they obviously have to be worse with Baker Mayfield. I, I get that. I just thought there was a lot of context underneath that that was missed. And I tried to say it. I tried to write it and uh, didn't really get a lot of uh, a lot of people on my bandwagon. But Sunday's game against the Vikings, to actually get around to your question, was exactly what I expected this team to look like this year. I, I didn't necessarily expect them to win that game because I thought, again, last year's NFC number two seed. I know the Vikings lost some things in the offseason, so it's not exactly the same team. But that's a tough place to win on the road. Week one, starters didn't play a lot in the preseason for anybody. You didn't really know what you're going to get. I, I I thought it would be ugly. I thought they would be able to keep it closer than people thought. And I thought if they made enough plays and, and it, you know kind of avoided their mistakes, they'd have a shot at the end and it could go either way. And that's exactly what happened. They just happened to be on the right side of it because they think they made a, a few very clutch plays in a very, you know, a few very critical decisions uh, and moments in the game uh, that they just happened to get on the right side of. So it, it, it really wasn't that surprising to me. I was obviously pleasant, pleasantly surprised, I guess, that they, that they won because those are the games that the Bucks tend to, to find a way to lose. Um, but the way they did it was just grinding it out, man. I mean, if you look at the simple cliche stats, they took the ball away three times and they didn't turn it over. Uh, they made the kicking game was great. They averaged 55 yards a punt net and they nailed a 57 yard field goal and didn't miss any kicks for all the shit people like to talk about. Um, you know, uh, Todd Bowles, he, he had a couple of really important calls in this game that went their way that I think were really gutsy. Uh, and this team only had three penalties all, all game long. So, uh, the, the Vikings had three possessions in the second half. So you want to talk about complimentary football, keeping your defense fresh. They had a 16-play, 75-yard drive for a touchdown in the third quarter, and then they had two drives in the rest of the whole second half. They were three-play, three-yard drives, and they punted both times. So, again, it was, it was an ugly game. There's a lot for the Bucks to clean up, but this is kind of what I expected this team to, to, to look like. It was going to be, can Baker Mayfield take care of the ball? Can Todd Bowles make sound in-game decisions, prove that he can do that? And can the Bucks, who have – Way too many champions on that team. Yes, Tom, you know Tom Brady and a few of those other veteran guys are gone, but there's a lot of guys still here that have Super Bowl rings and have a lot of playoff experience. I didn't expect that to just automatically fall off a cliff, and I think that's why we saw the result we did on Sunday. Well, and I can attest to you and John especially. I mean, you guys have absolutely been optimistic on the Bucks, and, and my thing is with the Bucks, like going into the season, was it's like I didn't think you know there were some people like oh they're going to be challenging for Caleb Williams. That that's like you said they got way too much Super Bowl experience on that team. They have way too much defensive talent on that team. Not to mention the offensive skill players. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see you know as the year goes on. I, I expect that the majority and you know and, and maybe you disagree. I expect the majority of their games, win or lose, going to be close games throughout the year. I, I just think that that's kind of how they're built as a team. Um, and it's been interesting to kind of watch because you know obviously Tom Brady was kind of the storyline, you know, uh, you know retiring and all that stuff. But it's like then you look at the quarterback situation as it is right now. And Kyle Trask and, and and Baker Mayfield went to battle um, during you know training camp in the preseason. Kind of break that down a little bit because I was actually I, I had kind of assumed that Kyle Trask was going to get that first uh, first shot at quarterback, and it seems like Baker Mayfield uh, won out. Yeah, I think at, at the end of the day, I expected Baker to win at least at, at first because he's just got too much experience. I, I think when when you get in a locker room that's got a lot of veteran guys and a lot of guys that. And again, go look. Go look at what the the Bucks did for the rest of their offseason. They did not rebuild at all. A rebuilding team 
doesn't keep most of their veteran starters and then find a way with all the salary cap hell that they were in to re-sign Levante David, to re-sign Jamel Dean. That's the one I really didn't expect. I expected maybe they'd get Levante back on a one-year team-friendly deal, which they did. But Jamel Dean is a 26-year-old corner in his prime and was probably the top corner on the market, and they still were able to keep him. So, I mean, they were they were clear that they were going to, you know, they weren't packing it in, right? So when Mayfield became the guy in free agency that they kind of zeroed in on, you know, I knew they were going to give Trask a shot just because they invested a second-round pick in him. you got to find out if he's the guy. And he spent the last two years holding a clipboard. I mean, he was – inactive every game of his rookie season. He was inactive for almost every game of his second season and didn't touch the ball in a regular season game until that mop-up duty in week 18 last year against uh, Atlanta, and it wasn't even pretty. Um, so, so really, we didn't really get a chance to see him even work with the ones very much at all until the preseason, until training camp this year. So I, I knew they were going to try to give him a shot just to make sure they, they got as much as they could out of that investment of a second-round pick. But I felt like, you know, Baker's a he was a number one pick for a reason. He's talented enough. I thought that when he was when he was fully healthy in Cleveland and actually had, you know, a, a supporting cast that was quality and just about every way and he was healthy. I mean, that team went 11 and five. He threw 26 picks and eight or 26 touchdowns and eight picks, I think. Uh, and they went to the playoffs for the first time in almost 20 years. So. I felt like he could be that type of guy here, and I felt like that experience was going to give him an edge in the competition at least right away. Now, if you watch the first half on Sunday, he looked like hot garbage. And if that had continued into the second half and the Bucks lose that game, you're going into Chicago thinking, we've already got to decide whether or not we want to make a move here because it, it, it didn't look great to, to start the game. But once they settled down, he was almost perfect in the second half. That last drive of the first half when they started to go tempo – he found Mike Evans for the deep touchdown. He made some really clutch plays, clutch throws. Um, and and I think that show, he showed in the second half why they went with him in week one. I think they would have been open to, to giving Kyle Trask a shot if, if Baker wasn't going to work out. But this is exactly what I think they wanted from Baker Mayfield, a tough, you know, dude who's probably going to be, you know, he's probably going to take more hits than he should because he's just arrogant in that way, not necessarily in a bad way, but. Um, I thought his experience was going to win out. That's the way it worked out to start. Um, and if he keeps up playing, I mean, again, he had a passer rating of 94 on Sunday. He didn't turn the ball over once. He threw two touchdown passes, 174 yards ain't much, but he got the job done. He, he, the game on the line, third and 10, and they have to decide whether we run the ball to run some clock because now they're out of timeouts, or do we put the ball in Baker's hands and try to get this first down and win the game? They put the ball in his hands, and he threw a, a bullet where only Chris Godwin could get it. They got the first down, and they won the game. So, that tells you how much faith they put in him as the starter right now. And I think moments like that only solidify his role in that locker room as the guy that everybody there rallies around to. And I think that's going to help him moving forward. Luke, what is the uh, latest on Mike Evans and what are the chances that, you know, he's not on the roster next year. And is it a, a possibility if things go South, um, you know, the Buccaneers maybe quote unquote sell this season. Well, if anything happens, I don't expect it to be this season. I I know from what I know that their their approach is we can still compete in a really crappy division this year. Uh, There's no real reason for us to blow everything up. That's why they didn't in the offseason, too. You know, I I tweeted something out in February, I think, where I was like a list of people. The Bucs are not going to trade any of these guys. So I'm sorry for anybody who thinks they're just going to swoop in post Tom Brady. Uh, and and vulture this roster and pick it apart of all its, its veteran talent. That's just not the way the team approached it. And again, I told you in free agency, they did the same thing. They kept most of the guys they wanted to keep uh, and and kept that core intact. So the thing with Mike is, 
you know, the salary cap is tough. He wants to get paid what he's worth, and I don't blame him whatsoever. The Bucks have a lot of younger core guys that are coming up that are going to get new, you know, new deals. You got Tristan Wirfs is going to be on his fifth year option next year. Antoine Winfield Jr. needs uh, needs a new contract, which he just had his tenth career sack on Sunday. It was a strip sack that he recovered, by the way, um, which is already the most by a safety in Bucks history, which is wild. But I think he's got the most sacks by a defensive back in the NFL since he entered the league, which is just wild. So he's going to get a new deal. Devin White wants a new deal, and he played his ass off on Sunday, so maybe he's well on his way to getting a deal. All these guys are in their you know twenty five, twenty six range. Mike's going to be thirty one next year, and if he wants you know, Cooper cup money. If he wants 25, 28 million a year, Chris Goblin's only got one more year after this year left on his deal at 20 million a year. And Chris Goblin's 26, 27. You know, those are a lot of hard decisions that the bucks have to make for the future. And there's not going to be enough money to go around. Say, you know, not to speak of if Baker Mayfield plays well enough at 28 years old to warrant a contract extension next year, that's going to, that's not going to be cheap either. So the, the bucks, what they're trying to do, if, if I had to guess was, what they did with Levante David this year. They didn't re-sign him before, you know, the, his last year of his contract. They let him play it out. They let him test the market and and were hoping, I think, that he would go out there, not find as much money as he as he hoped as a 32, 33-year-old linebacker and come back and, and sign with with the team he knows best and, and play there and, and get as much as he could. And that's what happened. It looks like they're going to play it that way with Mike. I don't ex- – I mean, they would have to be winless-ish. And, again, they're 1-0, so that's going to be really hard to do now. Um, at the trade deadline, they would have to be way out of it, like actually competing for Caleb Williams at the deadline for them to be to be sellers and to look to trade Mike Evans at all. I think they want to get it to the offseason. Let Mike see what other people will get him. How much will another team pay for a 31-year-old wide receiver who, yes, is one of the most consistent, if not the most consistent producer in the league for his entire career at that position? But you know how it is. Teams don't pay for what you've done. They pay for what you can do at this point, what you will do in the future. And I think at that point, what the Bucks are just hoping that is that whatever Mike gets offered at that point after the season will be close enough to what they can do that they can go, hey, Mike, let's let's make this work. And again, they're in they're in Florida. No, no, uh, no state income tax. And I, I, that do that does matter to players. Um, they get they do get to keep more of their money there. And it gives the Bucks, I think, a little bit of an advantage in negotiations. But at the end of the day, I think there's a great relationship between Mike Evans and Jason Light, the general manager. That was his first draft pick ever in 2014, that first round pick, number seven overall. They have a great relationship. I don't think it's personal. I think both sides kind of know how they're trying to play it. They respect the other person's point of view. And I think at the end of the day, both sides are hopeful that it comes together in the offseason and he can stay. But if somebody comes in with a stupid offer that gives him that type of $25 plus million a year for a, you know more than one year at a time, I think Mike would be ridiculous not to take that. And obviously it would break our hearts down here in Tampa, but even the Bucks, you know, brass would understand at that point, they're not going to be able to afford that if they want to keep all those other young pieces. Well, kind of staying on the defensive side of the ball, or sorry, the offensive side of the ball, before we transition over to the defensive side, uh, you know, I, I got a chance to watch the game in lifetime um, on Sunday just because, you know, I figured it, it's always nice. I don't know why, but week one, I always like to watch the Bears, you know, next opponent, and then also usually like a divisional game. It just worked out that they played the Minnesota Vikings. So it was great. There you go. Yeah, right. It was perfect. So the one thing I noticed, especially, you know, in, in the first half of the game, like you said, Baker Mayfield was all over the place. Um, but the other thing I noticed, too, was – the running game really didn't seem to get going that much. And it was weird because it happened with both teams. I mean, both teams finished with uh, the, the yards per carry were t- 
terrible. It was bad. It was rough. Yeah. It was crazy. So what do you expect the Bears or what do you expect the the Bucks to do against the Bears defense this weekend? Do you expect them to try to run the ball more? Do you think that they're just going to basically say, hey, th- these guys are going to sit back and, and cover two and play soft zone the entire time? So they're just going to attack through the air. What do you think the Bucks are going to do uh, offensively against the Bears defense? Well, I think philosophically they want to be able to run the ball. And, and I think what we saw on Sunday, really from the offense as a whole, but particularly the ground game and, the, and especially in the first half, was you've got an offensive line that has just got way too many moving pieces they're trying to break in compared to the, what this unit has looked like over the last couple of years. So you've got the best player on that unit is Tristan Wirfs, obviously coming back. But even he has switched from right tackle to left tackle. So he played right tackle at Iowa. He played right tackle his first three years in Tampa. And now they're moving him to the left side. So – He's an elite player. He's an all-pro, two-time all-pro tackle already, but on the right side. So even he's having to make some sort of change to that unit. So he goes to the left side. You've got new starters at both guard positions, one of whom is a rookie in Cody Mock, the second-round pick from North Dakota State. You've got your center, Robert Hainsey, who is now back in the starting lineup because Ryan Jensen is out for the year again and probably won't play anymore from what I understand, which really, really sucks. Um, that was definitely not their plan this year. Um, but the, the only plus side of Jetson's injury was because it happened last year. Hainsey started all 17 games last year at center and, and, and played fairly well. Um, but you still got a guy who's, who's not the, the quality that you wanted to have at that position. And then at right tackle, you've got Luke Gedeke, who was a second round pick last year, played right tackle at central Michigan, but the bucks moved him to left guard week one. And he was awful. I mean, he, it was rough and they kept him inside, tried to kick him around. They finally moved him to right tackle in that week 18 game against the Falcons. He actually played his, you know, his best football there, which made sense because, again, that's where he has most of his experience. He's still a work in progress, too. So, again, there's just so many things about the offensive line in particular. And, oh, by the way, new offense, new, new offensive coordinator, completely new scheme, as opposed to the one they've been in the last three or four years with Byron Leftwich uh, and Bruce Arians. So there's so much that changed that I think, in particular, the offensive line is going through and a lot of the, the concepts have changed that you just saw an offense that, that especially on the ground was very disjointed, still trying to figure out the rhythms and how each guy blocks. And, and there's a lot of, a lot of things that only reps will fix. Um, and, and that's why I think they struggled so much. The last two times these teams played or the last time these two teams played um, a couple of years ago, Justin Fields got the start, did not go well for the Chicago bears. Um, it, it was Matt Nagy and the Buccaneers did a, a fantastic job containing Fields. Um, Green Bay did the same last week, really did not let him get out, had a spy on him. How do you think the Buccaneers defense um, plans to attack Justin Fields and in hopefully, you know, in, in their eyes, shut him down? Yeah, I think one thing that, that the Bucks do really well is, is Todd Bowles loves to be creative. He loves to challenge younger quarterbacks with a lot of, a lot of different looks and a lot of pre and post snap changes, right? That's he's, he's, he likes to, you know, as a quarterback, I, having played quarterback, one of the first things you you do when you get up there to the line of scrimmage is who are your known rushers, right? Who do you know is coming after you? And Todd Bowles is so annoying to play against as a quarterback because he'll he'll walk Vita Vea up as a stand-up linebacker in the A-gap. Like, he'll have everybody standing up, and you have no clue who's coming and who's going. Vita Vea is such an athlete, he will drop him into coverage. If you guys remember the Green Bay game last year, he yep. forced a fumble at the goal line that changed the entire complexion of that game because he had dropped back into the zone and was playing hook to curl and, and made the hit on Aaron Jones. Um, but but Todd gets so complex, he loves to show one thing and drop into another. And the Bucks also have the athletes on defense to, to hang with a guy like Justin Fields. They've got 
again, Devin White at linebacker, who's six foot two forty and can run four four. Uh, even a guy like Joe Tryon Shoyanka, who's not quite the pass rusher I think they were hoping for yet, but a ridiculous athlete and exactly the type of guy that I think they could drop and spy uh, and can even run down as long as he takes the right angles. You know, the, those types of guys, Levante David, I mean, the way he played on Sunday at 33 years old is just ridiculous. That dude is ageless. Um, so, again, the, the Bucks have a very athletic defense. Um, they have enough complexity to the scheme where it's, it, it can be real trouble for, for any quarterback, but particularly a young quarterback. Um, and I think that's, that's just what Todd will do. He will try to throw as many different looks and be as exotic as possible and, and show one thing and do another and try to, he knows what he's put on film obviously too. So he will try to look at his own film and, and say, this is what we showed Minnesota. So this is what the bears are going to see and think we're going to do. Let's do the opposite. I expect a lot of that, and again, they're just going to put the onus on their athletes to contain him and make sure he they can bend a little, but they won't break and give up those big plays. I think that's what they're they're trying to uh, to limit, and and I think they just want to force Justin Fields to beat them through the air. If they can stop the run, um, they're going to force him to try to 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 move the ball down the field. And I think that passing game is still very horizontal right now. They want to hit you with screens. They want to hit things on the outsides and and let their receivers make plays after the catch. I don't know if that's going to be enough. They're going to have to run the ball well if that's as best as they can do on uh, through the air. Well, I think you've done a very good job of breaking things down. I can say I'm not nearly as optimistic as I thought I would be um, going into this game. Uh, Zach, if, do you have anything else for Luke, or can we get into the uh, X-Factor yeah. and, and score yeah. prediction? X-Factor and score prediction. Okay, cool, good. man. Yeah, so yeah, what do, what do you got for a score prediction, and who is who or what is your X-Factor for this game? You know, I really feel like the Bucks are going to need to run the ball a little bit better to win this game. And I think that the the way they approached the offseason, they didn't go after a running back. They they signed Chase Edmonds as just kind of a, you know, a veteran presence in the room. But, but Sean Tucker, the undrafted free agent from Syracuse, ended up winning the number two job. And I think that's because they have a lot of confidence in Rashad White. And, and I think we really didn't get to see a whole lot of what he can do well. But he's a three-down guy who's, who's probably as good of a receiver as he is a runner. And I think... After a week of shaking the rust off, I think the, the Bucks will want to establish the run a bit more, take some pressure off the passing game, uh, and, and I think Rashad White is going to have to be the guy that, that carries the day there. Awesome. Good stuff, Luke. Um, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Where can everyone read your work at? Yeah, it's really complicated. I'm at Luke Easterling on Twitter. Super, super tough to remember. Um, and then athlonsports.com. I also run the uh, Sports Illustrated draft site now. So if you are nice. a fan of any team and, and want to know what's up with the draft, if you go to si.com slash NFL slash draft, uh, I'm, I'm handling all the content over there as well. Luke has been one of the OG draft guys, man, going back a long, long time. So definitely definitely check all that out. He's been awesome. And I'm, I'm just glad we finally got you on. Like I said, man, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, well, let's, let's make sure we don't wait another 20 years. take it easy luke thanks so much for joining us man hey my pleasure guys have a good time enjoy the game thanks you too mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Once again, that was Luke Easterling of Athlon Sports. A good job of giving us some insight onto the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield, the defense, Mike Evans, all that good stuff. We hope you enjoyed that. We thank Luke again for joining us. Um, Aaron, it's that time. Predictions, X-Factors for week two against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You went first last week. I'll go first this week. We both picked the Bears to win last week. We both were wrong. Um, This week, week two, I'm going to take the Buccaneers. Um, I I want the Bears to win. I believe in the Bears to win. They got to prove it to me. I would totally eat crow. I'm willing to start the season 0 for 2 on predictions. Totally fine with that. Um, I'm going to go Buccaneers um, 20, Bears 17. And, you know, my X factor, it's going to be an obvious one, man. It's going to be Justin Fields in the offense. Like, it's time to go. Let's see what you got. You guys have the weapons. Let's get DJ more, um, you know, more involved, no pun intended. Let's get Chase Claypool involved. I want to see what the run game can do, and I want to see this offensive line block. This is going to be a good test, man. Like, this Tampa Bay defense is still pretty damn good, and they got some guys that can get after the quarterback and make life hell back there for Justin Fields, as we saw, you know, in 2021 when Fields started against them in Tampa Bay. So, yeah, I'm going to go Buccaneers 20, Bears 17. Um, Yeah, and if the Bears want to win this game, man, I'm going to put it right on Justin Fields' shoulders. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it, I, I think the the mental emotional toll that week one took on a lot of Bears fans has a lot of people going in, I would say, at least in my opinion right now, maybe I'll eat crow on this one, uh, overly negative going into week two. So, I, you know, here's the thing, man, I, I feel like, I, I, I do feel like the Bears are going to be better than what they showed last week. God help us if they're not. Um and, and again, I'm not really discounting Tampa Bay, but this has been a game that I've had circled on the schedule as a game that they should win. So I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to try to be as level-headed as I possibly can, and maybe it's just optimism, and I'm just going to slap me in the face. Who knows? But I'll go 23-16 Bears. Um, having watched Tampa Bay last week, I mean, here's the thing, man, and maybe maybe it ends up projecting different down the line. Minnesota's defense is no good, and quite honestly – for the majority of that first half, man, Baker Mayfield looked awful. They couldn't run the ball. They, had, they didn't run the ball all game, you know? So it's one of those things where I feel like it's not going to be like, you're not talking about a great offensive mind that's going to be running this offense. You're not talking about, you know, a quarterback with a, you know, a, a, an undetermined ceiling. Like we know who Baker Mayfield is. And I say that as an Oklahoma fan, like we know who Baker Mayfield, the NFL quarterback is. He's going to be hot and cold. I think the big thing with him, and this is kind of something that really hurt him in the first half, is if you get pressure on Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield is going to get wild. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to be inaccurate. And obviously, that kind of feeds into my X factor here. Uh, obviously, the Bears, in terms of you know pressure rate and all that stuff in week one, were you know the absolute worst team in the league. I don't think either one of us is surprised by that. I think that that is going to be the X factor. I think that that is how they're going to have to win the game. Uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are really good receivers, but Baker Mayfield can be a pretty solid quarterback or he can be an absolutely terrible quarterback. And I think a lot of that is dependent on the pressure. So I think that that's going to be the X factor. Tampa Bay's defense is good. Um, But I do think, I mean, we saw the bears move the ball against good defenses last year. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not something that they can't do. They hung over 30 points on the new England Patriots. Like it is possible for the bears offense to move the ball against a good defense. But I think, 
again, the X factor is going to come down to the defense. You know, I, I don't think they're going to have much issue uh, in the run game, but I think as long as they can keep some pressure on Baker Mayfield, I think that that's how they're going to win the game. So again, 23, 16 bears. Um, hopefully I don't look back on this in a week or two and be like, what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> no, I, dude, I hope you're right. I honestly, I am rooting for you to be right. I will gladly be Owen to, to start this season. If the bear, if it means the bears are going to get a win, um, let's hope so, man. Cause like we said, this schedule here next couple of weeks gets a little tough. Um, you know, and who knows if they go into Denver, Owen three, I mean, it, it, honestly, who knows? So yeah. Um, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter and where can everyone read your work? Yep. You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter and you can read my work on the bear And as always, you can follow the bear report on Twitter at just bear report. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Um, Aaron, do you have the uh, your um, shelter pick this week? I do. I was actually just going to throw that in at the last minute yes. there. Uh, yeah, so this uh, week two is going to be Players for Pits. It's also you know, like a Chicago-based uh, rescue that mainly does um, pit bull and pit bull-type breeds, which is uh, near and dear to my heart as a, as a pit bull lover. So if you are looking to get in the mix and donate, this is going to be a direct donation link um, to their website. I wasn't able to set up a fundraiser to their website. They, 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 they just do things differently. You can either donate money if you feel better about buying off an Amazon wish list, whatever the case may be. Uh, if you do donate, please just send me a screenshot of the donation. Um, I just like to kind of keep track of it and see what kind of impact we're making. So yeah, that's this is uh, this is going to be a fun one. I know my girlfriend's extremely excited uh, that this is going to be the, the featured rescue for this week. Yeah, um, we'll start doing those at the beginning of the show too. I, I totally forgot this week. I know we did it at the beginning last week, um, but yes, the Bears, was a great. The Bears getting blown out in week one yeah. and just ruined everything already. <laughs> I know, but it is a good thing that you are doing, and I do applaud you for that because I, I do feel like the shelters really need our attention. Um, you know, ever since COVID, it just kind of felt like it's starting to trend downward in terms of you know people wanting to adopt and then giving up on animals and. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's not good. So um, I appreciate you doing that as well. And I'm always open to you promoting it on here. So just don't let me forget next time. Yeah, absolutely. I, dude, I was, <laughs> I was off in La La Land too. So it's all good. We got it in. So it, it, it yes. counts. Yes. Um, and as always, please rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Till next time, everyone, please stay safe. <laughs>